Man, this island is so relaxing. Yeah, it's a little rocky, but the sun's shining, the water's warm, it's very nice, and hey, what's, what's this weird column with a bunch of runes on it? Well, you see, the, what's this, this rune column in the middle of this rocky, uh, 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 we're talking about Gamera, Guardian of the Universe! Not my best intro, Miles, but how are you, buddy? You know what? Don't even care. We're talking about monster movies. I couldn't be <laughs> more excited. Um, so so thus far, we have done Cloverfield. We've done The Host and we've done Troll Hunter. Now, as someone who's uh, and I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but I think it's a correct one whose main source of of monster movies might be your your Godzilla films, Drew. How are you liking exploring the others? So it's interesting that you say that. I am, and especially because of what we watched today, I have probably seen more Gamera movies than Godzilla movies, thanks to Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> but I don't know that that particularly counts. But uh, I mean, it does. I mean, that was my first interaction with Gamera was the MST3K episodes and they were some of my favorite i think i think gamera is used in the theme song of him on that twirling on that pole he going might up be. and down i don't know I'd i have think to... i think he's used in like the, the the little uh montage of bad movies that they do and you know we're talking uh about the 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 heisei or heisei if you are proficient in japanese or japanese culture Please tell us what the correct way to, to pronounce this era is, because Drew and I have both looked up numerous sources and we keep getting different answers. Yeah, I'm going to go with Heisei because I saw more sources say that uh, as in between last week and this week. So I could be completely wrong. I apologize to anyone uh, who would be uh upset more knowledgeable about, yeah, yeah uh, no, i mean honestly if we if if we are pronouncing it wrong please tell us because i've always wanted to know and you know, show up that one that one's pretty easy and also i think i've only ever seen it written i don't think i've ever heard anybody say it out loud it's kind of like uh how i met your mother one of the main characters calls a particular small uh multicolored lizard a chameleon because or a chameleon because he had never heard anyone say chameleon before. And uh, it's a fun little bit there. Uh, I, I, I do love that. Um, but we are not talking about chameleons tonight. No, sir. We are talking about a big, giant, amphibious beast named Gamera. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned earlier that your previous experience with him had just been mst3k so you had never seen a, a proper camera film as it was intended correct correct awesome I'm, I'm excited to kind of get the ball rolling here with with camera now the character of camera was initially conceived by uh my uh masaichi nagata who was president of Daiei film in 1965 to compete with the king of the monsters you know him, you love him, Godzilla. Initially, though, Daya wanted to create a creature feature more inspired by Hitchcock's The Birds than the original Gojira, uh, instead focusing on rats as the source of, of terror. The problem, though, was that the rats proved very, very difficult to work with, and most became infested with fleas, <sighs> causing the health department to shut the production down as you do like you would so Daya promoted a, a pr premier monster movie and nagata was adamant about using the resources they had left to create a monster movie and the initial seed that would become the what's developed into the gamma character came to nagata on a return flight from the united states where he envisioned a flying tortoise alongside his plane uh, there are 
differing accounts that he saw an island that looked like a tortoise and that's what inspired the idea but uh, most people stick with the 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 flying tortoise alongside his plane probably because it sounds better it certainly sounds and neater uh i i just love always hear, hearing these whimsical ways that some of these creatures were were created in the the 50s and 60s like yeah. just oh yeah you know i was having a dream or you know oh i saw a can of soda pop fall a different way and i thought oh that would be an interesting monster well it's it's funny that you mentioned that because Th- though that is different there is so much about G- gamera's origins that is similar to uh the big g himself Go- gojira yeah. godzilla uh they share a at least in the showa era they share a similar origin they're both rooted in nuclear blasts gamera was not created from the radiation or nuclear tests or anything like that instead he was simply released from suspended animation which i want to say that was the original godzilla too I, I can't remember like released to be perfectly from an, honest released from an underground like, the, like the, the the problem is that happens so often to godzilla in in subsequent movies that i can't first source uh, and i know that makes me sound really silly as a massive godzilla fan but i probably haven't watched the 54 film since we did it for this podcast about three or four years ago and so I know he has been awoken from the ice. Uh, Gamera was basically frozen. And I think because something to do with Inuit tribes, they had a whole different kind of origin for Gamera, which is different in the movie that we saw for this week. But uh, go on, Drew. So uh, Gamera, the giant monster, or Gamera the Invincible, as it was released in the United States, was released in 1965 and established a lot of the series characteristics, namely... Gamera's kinship to children, because as everyone knows, Gamera is a friend to all children. It's my favorite nickname for any monster. <laughs> yeah. And friend and, to all children. It's great. And that he feeds on fossil fuels or pollutants. He, he eats that stuff up. Uh, the movie became mm. a surprise hit and most m- most believed no monster could hope to contend. Or, or just nobody thought he could beat Godzilla or contend with Godzilla. And while right. he, he may not have become quite as iconic, he became extremely popular amongst children and a legend in his own right, sp- spawning eight se- films in the Showa era with the finale, uh, the troubled production Gamera Super Monster, ending the series in 1980. Yeah, so this is the one disappointing thing about this week is we were we were pressed for time, so I didn't have a chance to do a deep, deep dive into the, the Heisei era's production because it's not easily trackable on any of our, our typical sources. I can find some trivia here and there, but nothing about the impetus of the Heisei era because the company, uh, Daiei Films, went bankrupt during the, towards the end of the Showa era of Gamera Films. And in fact, one of the reasons Gamera Super Monster kills off the character was because the director was so frustrated with how little money uh they were being given and the fact that they would only be using stock footage of gamera for their gamera shots that he added the scene where gamera sacks uh sacrifices himself to save the earth just to kill off the character entirely because <laughs> i mean he just thought the movie was completely atrocious it sounds um, pretty bad yeah, and so the, you didn't have a Gamera film for 15 years until 1995's Gamera Guardian of the Universe. And I'm really, really curious to see what the impetus is, because this version, just like the, the Heisei era of Godzilla films, it's a little bit more serious. Uh, the, the Gamera series was always a little more geared towards children, and the character was very, very popular amongst kids. Uh, the least performing one, I think, is Gamma, uh, Gamma versus uh, Baragon, didn't perform well because the kids became too bored by the human stuff and only wanted to see the monsters fight, which is why subsequent movies have a lot more monster stuff. And that um, is that is something I will say about this movie is that in a typical Godzilla movie, you would take a pause uh, to explain what every little thing is going on. But in this movie, there's a little bit of that, but there's a significantly less than I would have expected out of a Godzilla movie. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting, uh, I would say, uh, dichotomy with this one, because 
while it is a, a lot more serious as the high stake kaiju movies can be, it still leans towards that friend to all children vibe. It's got a little bit more to do with the Mothra trilogy. Uh, that's also uh, very, very celebrated than it does the Heisei Godzilla movies. And I I think it's it's interesting because, you know, a lot of the Gamera movies in the Showa era were not reviewed great. I mean, they're <laughs> they're fun. Like five of them ended up on MST3K. So the American versions weren't weren't all stars. But the trilogy that was released in the 90s was they were considered some of the best kaiju movies and and often the the word was that oh gamera finally has some competition with godzilla roger ebert himself gave the film uh three stars basically saying you know this is all you could possibly ask for despite all rational reasoning uh how you may ask can i possibly refer this japanese monster film about a jet-powered turtle to a mega budget somnity like air force one it has laughable acting a ludicrous plot second-rate special effects and dialogue such as and this is one of my favorite lines someday i'll show you around a monster-free tokyo (laughs) the answer i think is that gamera is more fun and that i think is what it all boils down to is while this is absolutely an origin film and we can start getting into it, this movie has a lot of heart and it's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, let, let's dive into the as fast as we can get through the plot. Uh, so because this is going to be pretty, pretty slim. Uh, so our movie opens on a, a, a ship carrying plutonium. Why it's carrying plutonium? They never say. Where that plutonium is going, Japan, and they are uh, flanked by by some some other ships. And all of a sudden, this 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 weird they run aground in the middle of of the water, and they don't know what's going on. Oh, it's an atoll, and that atoll is moving. What? Flash forward a little bit. They uh, uh, we are now meeting um not uh dr nagamine who is a a a ornithologist she studies birds and she's trying to get taken out or she's trying to 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 interact with her her professor uh that she works with who has gone off to this crazy island and she gets there and oh no everybody island is dead and it looks like they've been attacked by giant birds except they keep calling them birds but they're these big lizard bird pterodactyl creatures i don't really understand why that is well i think i think they they think they're birds at first and that at first they look like large kind of they could possibly be birds but they just they don't know so so we have two stories going on which is always nice when you have because because in monster movies it's it's rarely ever monster versus humans it's monster versus monster so you've got uh yonimori who is a, a marine officer who who is trying to take full credit and responsibility for for the ship uh, getting uh, getting hit by this thing that he didn't know what it was, despite the fact that the ship is fine and there was no plutonium leaking or anything like that. He he still wants to know what this thing was. Uh, so he and 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 uh, Dr. Kusanagi go off on that quest and you've got Dr. Nagamine. She's off uh, trying to figure out what these bird creatures are. And it's when the the two. Uh, man, th- it is harder to explain this movie than I thought it was. It's really not that complicated <laughs> of a plot. I'm just getting tied up in my words. Yes, you, you've got the you can say you have the uh, the Gauss plot, the giant bird plot, where you have these these birds appear. They they eat some humans, and so and the dog, the, which is also sad. Yes, um, they they basically discover these birds and try to find a way to trap them in. A- <laughs> A baseball dome. Yeah, not just any dome, Fukuoka Dome, which is huge. It's one of the biggest uh, sports domes in Japan. It was pretty much brand new. This movie came out in 1995, and the Fukuoka Dome opened in 91? Three. 93. Yeah, so you're right. It was brand new. And a large part of the front of this movie seriously seems like, hey, check out the Fukuoka Dome. They also don't really damage the Fukuoka Dome that much. They, uh, they they just damage the dome part a little bit, but everything else is fine. Uh, 
the the Fukuoka Dome, interestingly enough, is uh, the the home to the final public concerts of Frank Sinatra on uh, December nineteenth and twentieth of nineteen ninety four. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, number of uh, it is primarily a baseball stadium, uh, but a number of people have performed there. Uh, the Rolling Stones and Madonna and Bon Jovi and Blackpink. Uh, Blackpink sold out a show there on February 22nd of 2020, which is, uh, whew, man, just <laughs> right under the line there. Sim- si- simpler times. I mean, I'm not surprised Blackpink sold out that show. I mean, they're so big. They sell out shows here. Um, so you, so the secondary plot with Gamera is that the investigation in finding this atoll comes to a head where they find this it kind of monolith on the the back of what we end up discovering is Gamera that essentially kind of gives the origin of the turtle, even though we don't get that until much later. And the two stories collide when Gamera finally rises now that the humans have captured all the little mini gals, which is what the birds are called. Oh, yeah, they're going to capture and- put them in the stadium. And kind of a cool yeah. plot. It worked for me. Yeah, it's it's very was. cool because Gamera pops up and because this is a reboot and no one knows who he is, they just see giant monster attacking the city, even though he makes a decent enough effort not to like hurt anybody, even though he's stomping around because he's a giant monster. You know, he gets the birds and then pieces out. Well, and also the birds are smaller. They're they're, you know, right. Like five meters tall instead of 50 meters tall so it's it's a whole whole it's it's a little well, different and, and as we as we discover this through thread about the mystery of what gamera is and what gauss are we find out how deadly the gauss are and how what horrible monsters they are and as we find that out we see the gauss getting more powerful and getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they're close to the size of gamera and I mean, this this is a super, super simplification because I haven't even mentioned uh, Asagi uh, Kusanagi, who's the uh, uh, tertiary main character, where she is the daughter of Dr. Kusanagi, who gets a little uh, piece of metal that was on Gamera's back. An oracalcum, what did they call it? An oracalcum thing. It was a nonsense word for a non-existent metal. Yeah, but it's a metal from history. I mean, it, it's it's like a it's it's it's. I mean, it may not be real, but it is something that that is right, right. Yes. Referenced um, in ancient stuff. Uh, I think often connected to Atlantis, which they bring up in this movie. Uh, so through that, she starts developing a psychic link with Gamera, and one of the through threads of the Gamera series, as we mentioned, is that there's always some sort of uh, bond with a child, and in, in this particular version, she can kind of, she almost functions as, I think one person mentions that she's become a priestess, and that I don't think that's entirely accurate, but she is no, definitely a conduit. She can read Gamera's mind. Right. When Gamera... And she feels his pain. Yeah, when Gamera gets hurt, she gets hurt. But she also seems to feed him energy through the sake of hope. Yeah, there, oh, there, there, was, there, there is. It was, it was tough to, to tell exactly what was going on there, but who cares? Yeah, there, there are some <laughs> things that aren't communicated super well by the movie, and it's not, not nothing, nothing lost in translation. It's just not communicated by the movie. Um, and then you get a big showdown between Gauss and Gamera. And... Now we can kind of well, that, that that is your basic plot for Gamera Guardian of the Universe. So let's 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 hash it out. Um, what did you think overall? So this movie, it, it felt and it's interesting that you talk, talked about Gamera movies being geared more towards children or being more appreciated by children because it felt like a slightly and I say slightly tamer version of a Godzilla movie. You, there is a lot of destruction, but a lot of that destruction is not visited upon humans. However, there are scenes where you see uh, what I can only imagine is what they thought a human body getting crunched in a mouth would look like. And then some pants falling. And then you see a a, a disc man. <laughs> I mean, there there are. Yeah, there there's that. And there is the discovering. Not bodies, but at least uh, personal effects of eating people in the gyaus poop 
which looked like a giant glob of bird poop, which I appreciated. Right. And and the one thing that stuck out to me in in both uh, the human and the monster is the fact that and and Godzilla did this in the in the Heisei era as well. But you actively showed blood. Which is not something you see very often in a lot of the kaiju movies, particularly in the Showa era. But um, Asagi and Gamera both get uh, slashed. Uh, Asagi obviously uh, takes damage because Gamera, Gamera takes damage. And like you just see all the splurt of blood just going down her, her left arm. And Gamera gets cut a few times. You see like, his green blood kind of flowing. And I guess they got past sensors because, oh, it's green blood, but still blood. And you don't, you is, don't, and, and again, you, you just see blood running down all of a sudden Asagi's arm or a small scratch appearing on her face. It's not like, like you don't see blood when you would think you would see blood. It's not like people get chomped in half and blood right. is splattering just, everywhere. Just that it's there is uh, still makes it, it, it's, it's that weird juxtaposition where it's, it is kind of geared more towards children in its overall tone, but there's a couple of things that, that gave it that, that high say kind of, edge a little bit and, and, and speaking of that edge we have to talk a little bit about the the gyaos monster design these things are are goopy and sticky like they look like they look like basically like a big weird pterodactyl thing but uh mm-hmm. with, with a with a with like shields for heads <laughs> yeah like a sharp sharp beak uh with with a bunch of teeth and uh and they do they they chomp down on some folks that but we also see you know eggs of theirs getting smashed and like a, a a cave cave in where a bunch of little baby ones never made it out and ate each other and it and like all of that stuff is pretty raw pretty dark but it's not bloody bloody because it's not, not no no real. no it's just it's surprising to see that often in a a kaiju film and and like i said the high era brought a little bit more of that that realism into it and there, there are some funny, funny moments when they're investigating the the, the island before they have come across the the baby gauss. Um, it's a uh, Nag uh, Nagamine and uh, Inspector Osako, and and also they, if, they if you of, see us struggling with a lot of these characters names, it's because the only character that is whose name is spoken often is asagi and she is the most important yeah. character in the movie despite the fact that yes. she's not in most of the movie uh my my favorite moment is they they leave this trail and then they all of a sudden see this giant bird <laughs> and he says if that's the suspect it's beyond our jurisdiction <laughs> which is a great response and like it's a good a good bit of humor, like because it's delivered in a Sammy goofy way, but also with enough kind of uh, acting to to communicate to an adult that, oh, this is still playing with the moment. But it's just such a funny response. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I I really liked especially some of the scenes when you have the monsters first attacking they do have that threat. I know we, you mentioned the the attacking about of the dog and its owner, and you know I, I agree with you. I'd never want to see a dog get hurt, but the the shooting of that scene is extremely smart because you get you know flashes of of light and a couple of really good scenes of things happening really quickly, but you don't get a direct view with the monster attacking and so they can play with the tension of the moment with the camera moving as if it's the gauss and playing with different angles and it honestly looks really tense and really really solid and especially because it might have looked really silly if we saw the gauss just yank the dog and which would have been basically some sort of bad puppet it would have and been you would have seen a gauss fly off with a with a weak looking chain hanging down and a little st- stuffed dog that right so have, have I, I thought that was a really well done moment i i find the direction of this movie in general to be a lot more dynamic than i'm used to seeing in a lot of kaiju films uh not necessarily of the time because i i do like the heisei era godzilla films but 
up until this point, you know, they're pretty standardly shot. And this one has a lot of uh, dramatic sweeps, a lot of uh, held frames. It's just there's a lot more style involved. And I know I said this to you uh, earlier when we were watching the movie, Drew, but there is there is a specific look that movie Japanese movies from the late 80s to late 1997 have that I just I love so much. It is it's on film, decent quality film. But obviously it's not the same budget as as a as a Hollywood movie like it, you can you can tell there's something about it there where stuff just is it's lit differently or something. It's, yeah, it, it's got it's it's a. I've been trying to think about how to phrase this and I'm failing it. It just it feels a little bit more like a show. And I don't mean like a TV show. I mean, just like here's a a show, like a production, like back in the back in the 50s and 60s, every movie's sets looked like stage sets. It wasn't until we got out of there that that they started looking like more. They started feeling like more real places. And I don't think that that's exactly what I'm it's it's not like that, but it's just it feels a little like they know that they're in a movie just as much as we know they're in a movie. Uh, Similarly to that is that, you know, if this was an American movie in 1995, we'd be trying to hide the use of models so much. We'd be, Oh yeah. We'd be trying to do whatever we could to, to, you know, but, but this seems to relish that, this is a giant the first two people in giant rubber costumes fighting on a miniature set. And when you look at the miniature sets that they have made for this movie, they're pretty good. They look like you can tell it's a they little great. Tell it's a little tiny diorama model, but it's it's really well done. They put details in there that you wouldn't expect them to. Well, and I think part of it is the fact that. Yeah, an American production would, for whatever reason, feel a little ashamed that, oh, not everything looks hyper-realistic. Whereas the Japanese production realized, yeah, this is a production. We're all in on it. We're here to see monsters throw down and, and wreck stuff. And I, I think they, they, they know the audience doesn't care as long as it looks cool. And yeah, the model work in this, this movie is absolutely fantastic. Across the board, even when uh, Gamera is getting in and out of like the harbor or bay, like all of those shots are really cool. And they they put some money into creating whatever pool they were in. Because that could not have been easy to set up at all, for sure. So um, one thing I'm kind of curious to get your opinion, Drew. One of the things that I really enjoyed about this was the movie. I I like it and I don't. I like that the movie doesn't hold your hand necessarily. And I think it that it fails in things like the monolith and the actual like what's going on in terms of the metaphysical things. But in terms of the actual monster stuff, like when Gamera appears, he almost acts like Godzilla. Like he's kind of lumbering towards the dome and wrecking buildings and you're like you know okay what's what's up with this guy because you know we we've watched godzilla movies we know sometimes godzilla is a little ambivalent and we'll just wreck stuff because hey it's fun (laughs) so we don't really understand his motivations yet and i like the film doesn't like try to be like it's okay he's a good guy we don't really get that inclination until um the um the doctor is running across this bridge having tried gone back to rescue this little boy and she trips and falls and the gauss come in to to basically eat the kid and gamera just starts whooping whooping tail and then actively protects her and the little boy like purposefully, like it, it shoots something and he puts his little claw out and defends uh, her and the boy. And I really like the fact that this kind of lets you follow the story and and come to the realization that Gamera is a hero along with all the characters. I like that. I also like that they don't hit you over the head with everything immediately. Just after that scene, we see a scene with Asagi in in her classroom 
at, at her school. And then she races out and gets on a train. And as we, as, as she's on the train, we look down and we see that her right hand is all bruised and, and, and messed up. And that's the same hand that Gamera just got hit with. So I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm texting while I was watching this. Like, did I miss a scene where they explain this? Did, 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 yeah, did, did I, I, I miss, just I, I, I missed did what I miss you were this? talking about because I'm like, I was like, yeah, it's it's uh, happens here. And you were talking about a different part of the movie. Yeah, but, but and, in, in, in scenes later, like 20 minutes later, she is watching Gamera fight a Gauss and the Gauss uh, hits Gamera in the arm and, and and claws him. And all of a sudden her arm starts bleeding and it's like, ha ha, I was right. I got it. Ah, it was I mean, it was fairly obvious, but they didn't need to explain it the first time it happened. They let that stuff just kind of linger. I actually want to focus on something between those scenes. So, yeah, Oski takes the train and then takes a cab to go to Mount Fuji, which is where the monsters are, which is supposed to be blocked off. And the first the cabbie's like, I'm not going to take you. And somehow this 12 year old girl. I assume she's 12-ish, convinces this guy to not only go towards Mount Fuji, but just drive right through the barricades. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. And yeah, I've always wanted that. I was like, what, what is this dude's deal? And then just stands by, and they're both watching these monsters fight. And then, you know, he's unflappable because then she starts bleeding, and he's like, oh, we gotta get you to a hospital. Like, I mean... And there's no shenanigans involved because I think if this is an American movie. There might be some shenanigans involved, but like the dude's just kind of there for this adventure. And he, he's he's a a responsible, irresponsible adult. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really weird, weird thing. But it's one of those but, things but, that it doesn't need an explanation. It just doesn't need it. No, here. I, I love that it doesn't have it. And and it was at this point where I was watching the movie and the, the monster stuff was happening. So I was looking up a couple of things. And uh, it's not quite a, hey, I know that guy, but uh, Ayoko uh, Fujitani, who plays Asagi, daughter of well-known American actor Steven Seagal. Russian actor. He's Russian now. He's he's Russian and Siberian, I think, but he <laughs> was born in Michigan, so he's an American actor. Um, <laughs> He, yeah, he has. He has. We both looked up other facts about Steven Seagal. We both know he's um, a piece of work. But yeah, let's just say, we'll but, say the, there, but there are some things about his life that you're just like, huh, that's yeah. weird. Uh, you may, uh, you may of the obvious things. You may recognize but, uh, uh, Ayako Fujitani from the movie The, pa- the Patriot uh, or uh, is it The Patriot? Um, Yes, it's the Patriot. Um, not to be confused with the Mel Gibson movie. This is the Steven Seagal, the Patriot. And uh, as she plays his assist, his character's assistant in that movie. Uh, so that's the thing. Yeah, and apparently they, they don't have uh, a fantastic relationship from what I've been able to cobble in interviews. Which I don't know if it's necessarily next, uh, par for the course. It's for next, sure. We have next to no information about this other than she didn't want to use her father's name uh, to to get work. And then she was in a movie with them in America. And most of her work is she does is in Japan. Well, and she wrote a movie afterwards, apparently about the difficult time she had while, uh, at that at that time, which was then turned into a art house film by Evangelion creator Hideki Anno and released by Studio Ghibli. Well, an offshoot of Studio Ghibli because it was a live action production. Right. But it's still Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Like it's still really incredible. She's she's had a, an amazing uh, career as a as a writer and filmmaker herself. So uh, that's really, really cool. And I just happened to kind of uh, poke into her because I, I thought she looked familiar. And I think I had seen one other movie that she was uh, that show she was in the last ship um that was on tnt several years ago and she she appears in the sequel and the third uh high state gamera film so she you know kind of was a, a a child star for a little bit in japan 
and and i can tell i mean she she does a really good job she has a lot of charisma on screen she often feels like the smartest person in the room amongst <laughs> scientists reporters and uh you know military people she's the only one that seems to know the score and she's able to convey that with her with her facial expressions very very well um the the other adults i i have to say like on one hand i do like them but they're kind of silly which i think is definitely intentional for a a movie that's aimed towards kids the adults are going to be the more ineffective character but that tracks yeah but when (laughs) you have um uh yonamori and this guy is like trying to convince uh her father that he should be on this investigation thing and he happens to like buy like be in the same store that Oscar's in and she overhears him talking about wanting to buy i think uh scotch or something and she, scotch he had in his hand and she <laughs> she's like my dad likes uh rice sake and and then and, and, he and arrives she at likes home. He, he drinks he drinks rice sake rum bourbon uh but he does not like scotch <laughs> And so then we cut to the scene where he's walking to his house and there is Yonamori in full like apron and <laughs> he's been making dinner and all this stuff. And it's such a hilarious scene. And all of the actors completely sell it. Like they don't even sell it as a slapstick thing. And I think that's what made the scene so work so well for me yeah. is they when there's comedy, they play it straight so that it is funny. If that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me. It's it's it, it is it's a scene that really works. And most of this movie works. There are, however, some things that don't work because it doesn't we, work for you. We talk a little bit about. Uh, talked a little bit about how the. I guess this is more of an explanation, uh, something that happened on our our, our Discord, uh, our Cosmic Crit Discord earlier today, talking about how when you explain something too much, it robs a little bit of the magic. It robs a little bit of the 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 fun. And they give a a, a huge explanation for Gamera and the Gauss, and a lot of that I like. And then they talk about some science that who if you thought jurassic park was inaccurate boy mm. let me oh, tell you yes yes i i 100% agree there so so unlike unlike his show origins this gamera is a genetically engineered creation by an ancient race of people likely from atlantis which the which is fun, cool. which is which is cool and then the fir- the first person uh, the first uh, this is uh uh asagi talking about atlantis uh, as a specul speculating that that might be where Gamera is from, <laughs> to which the first response is yes, but this is the Pacific Ocean, which just made me think of uh, I now want to do a, a a a fun little sketch about a group of people from Pacificus, which is like <laughs> it's like the Reno uh, uh, of uh, versus the Las Vegas of uh, <laughs> of underwater countries. Anyway, that's a that's a whole conversation for a different time, but. Uh, but then they talk about the then later on, they talk about the actual, uh, you know, they, they basically say, oh, well, that's amazing that that could be the case. So we now learn again, this is all speculation. None of this is based on anything that the Gauss were created first. The Gauss went out of control and they created Gamera maybe to defeat the Gauss. And then they go in about how the Gauss only have two chromosomes instead of what and Basically, all of this is to say that <laughs> when it comes to Gauss, uh, life <laughs> finds, finds a way. way. Yes. So they don't that, actually use those lines. It's exactly what what happens. The, oh, it's it's there's the, there's a lot of Jurassic Parkisms here. Yes. The, the Gauss can reproduce asexually so they can lay their own eggs. And and so you, you might only have one of them, but that's still a threat because they could, you know, lay more eggs and become 20 or whatever. Uh, it's Even, just not the not it's not the the <laughs> I don't know it's just a weird way for them to explain that that is what could happen. Yeah, well, even even in the the beginning of the movie when the the, the two doctors are on the island, it's pouring down rain. The the whatever they used is very reminiscent of how Nedry's death in Jurassic Park is shot. Like I got I definitely got a lot of Jurassic Park vibes in in this movie, 
But in terms of things that didn't quite work for me, yes, the some of the I think that when it, it explained too much when it didn't need to, and then there are some other things that they could have gotten away with a little bit better. I also the romantic angle between um <laughs> there was a romantic angle yeah between yanamori and nagamine is so badly done it to me both- it to me literally looks like yanamori has ideas and intentions and nagamine has not paid a single scrap of attention to that because she's worried about the situation in well th- so th- there's that i mean no it's not that she hasn't paid attention she's responsive but a lot of times it'll be in these situations. And I'm like, at first I'm like, dude needs to calm down. There's a time and a place and this ain't it. But then in, in Roger Ebert's uh, favorite line, as, as is mine, someday I'll show you around the monster free Tokyo. This city is being ravaged by monsters. And here's where you see her response. She's smiling sweetly and responsive to this. And the entire time I'm thinking, you know, the one thing that popped in my head was no time for love, Dr. Jones, because th- there is a lot going on right now. <laughs> I have expected her to look at him and go, uh-huh. <laughs> that yeah, I, I really, I really wanted her to just put him in his place <laughs> because it it makes her her being responsive in that scene means that there is supposed to be a kind of love story. And I, I guess they ease up on it because a lot of times it's assumed that, that kids don't really care about that kind of thing. And especially I also in a monster don't movie. Really care about that kind of thing in this movie. Well, I mean, and that's, that's fine. I, these, these characters, these actors had no chemistry really. Um, and not for their, their fault necessarily. It's just, they're not written that way. And I think they're supposed to be extremely superficial, but that made it really, really land weird for me. And it, it and it's, it's a too bad because you know, I think there's there's so much that this movie does right. I love, love when the news helicopter is taking shots of Gamera and the shots are black and white like, as a nod to like the old Showa uh, first film. Like making it look like a 1954 or 1956 movie or 65 movie. Like I thought those shots were good. I think this movie's beautifully shot. There are some shots of uh, Gamera chasing the Gauss, like in the rising and setting sun. And there's a shot of the Gauss nest made out of the Tokyo Tower. There's some really, really amazing shots in this film. Gamera at the base of Mount Fuji, about to fend off an attack by the ground special defense forces. Yeah, speaking of Gamera, looks awesome. It looks pretty good. I still. I still think that when Gamera's uh, jets just start shooting off when he's standing there, it it is a funny look to me. It always will be. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is because Gamera is inherently a friend of all children and, and intended to be more for kids that <laughs> no matter how realistic it doesn't matter if Zack Snyder made a Gamera film. You cannot take away the whimsy of a spinning rocket turtle. I'm sorry. <laughs> it it is it. I love it. It naturally makes you smile. But the the suits themselves are great. There is one moment when there is the real showdown between the gigantic Gauss and Gamera, and both monsters are trying to like paw or punch each other, and both costumes. The arms are way too short to land a punch. (laughs) And it is it is wonderful. And they play it off so well, like it because it's a kind of a rough and tumble scene. They play it off in a way that it doesn't look like like it looked like, like, oh, no, he just missed. And I'm like, yeah, he missed because his arms are stubby. You got to lean into that. Like both of them did it. It's got those T-Rex arms. They're tiny. They're teeny tiny. And it, it made me think, and I know there have been some comedic takes on the kaiju uh, film in in recent history. And by recent, I mean the last 25 years. But I was thinking to myself, it would be so awesome if you had some of these fights choreographed by, you know, someone from AEW or the WWE. Like if you had like 
some wrestling angles to some of these monster fights. Like Kaiju Big Battle. Yeah, a little bit like Kaiju Big Battle. Except but, except mm-hmm. less just people in masks and more actual. Right. And that, that's what I like I said, I, yeah, I know people have done that and uh, I but it'd be cool to have a, a little bit more choreography. I know we're getting a little bit more of that in some of the legendary uh, MonsterVerse films. Um, and I know that Godzilla has gotten a little bit more choreographed, but it just seems that there would be some really, really fun fights to have now that, you know, hey, people watch prize fights. People watch these things like it's fun to not just to see them shoot lasers at each other. Like, let's see them really brawl you get you know? ken watanabe and, on the sidelines instead of instead of the dude that's let's get ready to rumble it's just ken watanabe going let them fight yeah i mean that's 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 been the <laughs> the meme for seven years now <laughs> oh man it's um, been seven years since that movie came out um, 2014 and, my man <laughs> so miles is there anything to wrap up our conversation about gamma guardian of the universe yeah i i do have to to while the costumes look phenomenal there is one thing they could have fixed early on in the movie that is i don't want to say unforgivable because it it brought immense joy to me but when the gauss are the five meter being captured in the uh the baseball dome they got googly eyes and it is distracting, <laughs> like flat out googly eyes. And it is it is so funny. The eye work, and the eye work in this movie is 50 50. Either it looks really good or it looks bad times 10. Yes. Plenty of and, mar- and like, it, it, there's that, marble eyed ga- marble eyed gamma in a number of scenes. It, it, you know, that particular scene that it was the worst of the entire movie. And I say this with all love in the world, because go, going into this one, I picked Gamera uh, one because I knew that the the high state era Gamera films were very well loved. Um, so I knew they would be good ones to do. But also. I can go all over the world, I can watch monster movies all over the world, but nothing is quite. Nothing feels quite like home as a japanese kaiju film like that 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 is always going to be the be-all end-all monster movie for me and i feel like having watched this one and i've watched uh, several other gamma films gamma the brave which is uh considered a high say era film but drew brought up the point that uh you know, it could also be considered a Millennium Era film because I, it was, I, have on, I only saw it referred to as a Millennium Era film. So I'm wondering if that if it just released on a line or or what happened there. Yeah. So the the funny thing about the Millennium Era is that it's a specific Godzilla thing because the Heisei Era technically didn't end until 2019. But with Godzilla 2000, Godzilla fans started calling the mo- movies of that little series because they were so unconnected. The Millennium Era. Um, so while it's officially a high state era film, I could easily see Gamma the Brave being a millennium era film. And that one is probably one of my particular favorite. It does lean a lot more into the kid movie aspect because it's about a, a little boy that finds a baby Gamera. And <laughs> named Toto. It's, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's an excellent, excellent film. Um, but I was just excited to to talk about another japanese monster and i hope you had a good time with this one it was interesting it it like i said it felt like a uh like an edited for content godzilla movie and that's not to say the godzilla movies are in any inherently you know darker crazier thing it just it felt safer throughout the entire thing and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing it just it was well, just an interesting thing to to Encounter. It also doesn't have a super dramatic ending because like Oscar says, camera will come again. And Gamera is like full on smiling at the camera like a big old doof. He shakes his head. Yes, he nods. Yes, he's like, eh. it's, it is hilarious. It's so funny because Gamera's got this big giant mouth that sticks open because he's got the big fang sticking out of the bottom of his jaw. And it's just like, ah. I, I love it. I, I had I had a great time with Guardian of the Universe. I had not seen it in a very, very long time. And it was an American version and not the 
the recent one. I know I said it was on Amazon Prime and it was the last time that I mentioned it. Oh, and it was taken off. It's on Shout TV if you have it uh, for Amazon Prime. Uh, but both Drew and I rented it for nine nine cents on Amazon, and I mean, for less than the price of a soda, I'm I'm fine. I I do have the Blu-ray set, but it was at home. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Miles, we have to talk a little bit about what's happening next week on the show because our show's going to be a little late next week. Yeah. So at the beginning of the month, and we've said this constantly throughout. We we were doing this all in celebration of Godzilla versus Kong coming out, knowing that we wouldn't be able to to do the film because we typically release on Wednesdays. And Drew basically said, well, why? Let's just do it on Friday. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't know why it didn't occur to me like we have rules that we can't just move an episode. So, yes, we will be late next week because... Godzilla vs. Kong comes out on Wednesday the 31st when we typically release episodes. So to give us time, because I watch wrestling on Wednesday nights, uh, (laughs) we are going to record between Wednesday and Thursday and release the episode next Friday. And I will reiterate that uh, a couple times throughout the week next week on our social medias, uh, which, if you want to follow us, it's... uh, at the more you nerd on Twitter, the more you nerd at facebook.com. You can email us at the more you nerd at gmail.com. Give us some of your favorite monster movies. Give us some recommendations. We might do Monster March again, and I would love some more cool monster movies to check out. And you can buy our merchandise at the more you nerd.threadless.com. Uh, we're going to be trying to figure out what kind of monster shirt to do for this month or maybe a quote shirt. Uh, Until then, you can get our NES theme logo and our star theme logo, as well as our Skanky Squad design. And yeah, we've had a couple people already buy some stuff, and we really, really appreciate that. So until next time, we are going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd. nerd.